What is good guys, welcome to Top House Sports, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week, as well as give our reactions and predictions from this past week. I'm Hansel Chu along with Kaden Mutamit, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. So, week 7 of the NFL just concluded, and a lot of big games, all surprises actually. And the big one that just came out, CMC was traded to the 49ers this past week. He was able to play against the Kansas City Chiefs, where he had an okay game, had to ease himself into the offense. But with Christian McCaffrey going to the 49ers, is the 49ers a really big contender in the NFL right now? Um, I think that this just adds to the... and like. Previously, I think it was like well known that the 49ers were really struggling on offense. It was probably mainly due to like injuries going from like George Kittle has been inconsistent this year, and their their running back Elijah Mitchell's been out for a long time too. But now they're starting to fill in the dimensions on their offense, which they kind of lacked throughout the whole season. And I feel like their defense has always been good, like consistently. That I feel like the top in like really the top defense in the NFL. So adding perhaps the best running back in the entirety of the sport. Is definitely a way to improve your offense. So I do think this puts them into the contention conversation. I don't know if it puts them over the top, though. I don't know if it's a, they're the favorites. For me, I don't think the McCaffrey trade really did anything too much for the 49ers, to be completely honest. I think in the Kyle Shanahan scheme, uh, you have Debo Samuel running in the backfield as well, as well as being a wide receiver. Uh, McCaffrey, he's also known as a pretty good catch receiver too, a guy that could run routes and be that check down option for Jimmy G. But with the McCaffrey trade, I don't think that really bolstered anything just in terms of offensive power. Yes, they have a better running back than Elijah Mitchell or um, Jeff Wilson, but I think the big uh, X factor was Jimmy Garoppolo and they threw up three first round picks to get um, Trey Lance last year. And unfortunately, Trey Lance went down, so they had to put Jimmy G back in as a good backup option. But Jimmy G also has been inconsistent as well. There's been times where he makes boneheaded plays. There's times where he's not able to get the ball to the receivers. So with Jimmy Garoppolo still back in the quarterback situation for the 49ers, I don't think this McCaffrey trade really does anything for them in terms of boosting them up into Super Bowl favorites. But it's a good it's a good uh, trade for the 49ers as of right now, uh, waiting for Elijah Mitchell to get back. And even if he does get back, McCaffrey is a really great running back. He's probably top five in the league. So this is going to you know boost the offense, but I don't think it's going to make him to Super Bowl as well. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like going into what you said. Like this just allows them to explore more like multiple dimensions in their offense. Like as you said, like McCaffrey is more of like a receiving back. And I, in my opinion, I think Elijah Mitchell is kind of like the power back. So oh, definitely, yeah. Um, I think the two of them can orchestrate very well together. Once Elijah Mitchell's come it comes back healthy, I think that this offense could become more of a run dominant offense. Mm-hmm. As we know, you said Debo also like gets rushing like rushing touches as well as a, from the wide receiver position. So yeah, I'm very excited to see what this offense will be like in the future. But for now, yeah, I don't think that they're going to be Super Bowl candidates. I mean, the Kyle Shanahan offense with McCaffrey is going to be pretty wild now with McCaffrey in the backfield. I mean, you could see some plays where, honestly, you could have Debo Samuel as the running back and you have McCaffrey lining up on the outside as a wide receiver. So it could get pretty crazy on offense, maybe some trick plays. It's almost going to look like a Kansas City offense with Andy Reid with these multiple trick plays. Um, But it's going to be... Kind of fun to watch, honestly, once um, they all get the dynamic back with McCaffrey getting into the offensive system. It could get pretty wild on offense, I'm not going to lie. But also this past week, the Packers and the Bucks both suffered pretty shocking losses with the Packers losing to the Commanders and the Bucks, who just lost to the Panthers, who just traded Christian McCaffrey. 
So with the Bucks and Packers losing, do you think Father Time is catching up to Rodgers and Brady? Um, I'm gonna say this. I don't think Father Time is catching up to them. I think that they're honestly playing like each quarterback is playing at like not not subpar. Like I think they're on par just with like the how the trajectory of their career's gone. I don't think they're necessarily getting affected by their ages. However, their rosters are not as good. Like we know that there's an entirely different O line for the Bucks this year. We know that they're without Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, multiple weapons that they had during their Super Bowl run a couple of years back. And same thing with Aaron Rodgers. He's down his main guy in Devontae Adams. And that really is just enough to turn that team from a Super Bowl contender back into a team that needs to rebuild. So while the question of does father time affect these two, I, 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 I think not. I think that these teams, though, in the positions that they're in, they're not contenders anymore. For me, Rodgers, I think he still has a couple good years left in him, not going to lie. He's been looking pretty solid. Again, the chemistry with his wide receivers is not on the same page as when he did with Devontae Adams. But for Brady, I do think he's, he's a little past his time now. Um, compared to just last season, because he had a spectacular year last year, I think he led the league in passing yards yeah, at he the did. age of, like, what, 43, 44? That's yeah. really pretty impressive to see. But this year, it just almost seems like he fell off a cliff. I'm not sure if it's his... Uh, off the off the field issues if it's you know his divorce or whatever but something going is going on with Tom Brady and he's not looking like the same quarterback where he just stands in the pocket and is able to throw up dimes to all of his wide receiver options and he can't really blame the chemistry issue because he has Mike Evans uh, Chris Godwin as well he's played with them for over three years so he definitely has that connection with those two receivers but to see him to uh, like, I don't know, just certain certain plays where it just looks like he doesn't have that arm strength, he doesn't have that ability to put the ball where the wide receiver needs to get it to. I don't know, maybe I think Brady is definitely, definitely slowing down at this break. No, I think he might no, have to he retire to. this year. He has to slow down. Like, this man has just been too good for too long. Like, going into your mid-40s, being able to do the stuff that he's done, that's, like, really unforeseen. Like, no quarterback has ever done that before. So I think it's about time. Don't expect Brady to be... The man he used to be i think as he said the farewell tour is most likely this year and i feel like the nfl is gonna be happy to be done with brady <laughs> i mean but looking at their um their looking at their standings right now they're not looking that good either for like a peyton manning run where he got to the super one one they're three and four they're basically tied with the saints and the falcons fighting for that playoff seed it's just kind of crazy to think about yeah. because we both thought going into the season that the Bucks and the Saints are going to be the top dogs trying to get to that title. But as of right now, the Falcons are number one in no, the yeah. NF, in their division right now. But for Aaron Rodgers, I, as like I said, I think he does have a few good more years in him. It's just the running game. I don't know. When we saw against the Commanders, they didn't even run the ball that much. I think Aaron Jones had like, what, nine touches. A.J. Dillon, yeah. I don't even know if he was even playing at all. They barely even ran the ball. They threw the ball so much. And again, without Devontae Adams, we've been seeing that that Devontae with Aaron Rodgers, like that needed to happen because that made the engine going for this Packers offense. And as you see right now, this Packers offense is just so discombobulated. There's no chemistry between Rodgers and the wide receivers. I mean, basically, Aaron Rodgers is throwing to Aaron Jones most of the time, and he was the running back. These wide receivers can't really seem to get open, get separation. And even when they were, they also have a couple like catching issues where Rodgers were put it right toward them and they would just simply drop the ball and for Aaron Rodgers we know he 
he has his ways to deal dealing with leadership. You know, he get mad, and you know when he gets mad, he won't target his wide receivers. But without Devonte this year, he's kind of forced to. So that's going to build up a lot of tension, a lot of trust issues with his wide receivers. So for Rodgers, is the Packers are looking kind of scary right now. They're looking really, really done for. The the only thing that gets me about the Packers is that they have like their team isn't really bad at all. There there may be some people underperforming, but the defense is solid. The offense is solid, but that's not going to get you anywhere. They, you, they really need more depth or simply a better wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers can rely on just so that they have the ability to have that downfield threat. Right now, as you said, like Aaron Jones had a total of around like 70-ish scrimmage yards, only 23 of those being rushing yards. And so, there were the, like you said, the run just wasn't a factor. And he was just chucking down checkdowns. Like Aaron Jones ended with nine receptions. If this offense is going to be surrounded by checkdowns and to both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, this offense is not going to find success at all. Oh, definitely not. Especially with how well the Vikings are playing, you might see the Packers not making the playoffs for a long t- for the first time in a very very long time. Yeah. And another surprising one we saw in the NFL: the Seahawks of all teams in the NFC West have emerged as the top-seeded team in the NFC West. Right now, they have a record of 4-3, and three, which is over the Rams, the 49ers, and the Arizona Cardinals, which is kind of surprising to see because after that Russell Wilson trade, we all thought the Seahawks were going to tank, going to you know, try to get that first-round pick next year. But right now, do you see them in a direction of getting to the playoffs and trying to win it, or are you just going to see a progression of them falling off in the ensuing weeks? Um. So... I kind of look at this team similarly to how the Patriots were last year. They had a lot a lot of young players just trying to find their rhythm, find their talent. And while we've seen like I think for the Seahawks especially, like we've seen some of their rookies really emerge and just formulate into not only the like integrate into the team, but also their style of play there and Pete Carroll's just offense and defense. And I I honestly think that this team is not going to do any damage in the playoffs. I think they're going to get to the playoffs, though. I really do. Behind Geno Smith, who's been honestly one of the more impressive and like just surprising stories of this year so far. And they still do have those solid wide receiver targets, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. And Kenneth Walker just had a fantastic game replacing the injured Rashad Penny. So this this team is really looking like just like that they have a lot in store, not only for this year, but for years to come. We do know that Geno Smith is not a young quarterback, however, so they do need to find that situation, find a just some cure to that situation. But for now, I think they will make the playoffs this year and be the number one seed in that division. For me, there's no point of the Seahawks trying to tank anymore because they do have a winning record, and um, they did trade that. They did trade Russell Wilson in return. They got a lot of picks from the Broncos, and with how the Broncos are playing right now, the Seahawks is kind of like, hey, you know, the Broncos are struggling. We don't really need a tank. Like, might as well let's just go for the playoffs. Like, there's there, there were they could win and still get a pretty high draft pick next year because of the Russell Wilson trade, which is kind of surprising and kind of beneficial for the Seahawks because now they start to build momentum, and these young players, like you said, are starting to develop and play on the field, and they've been playing phenomenal. Like you said, Kenneth Walker last week he had almost like what 170 rushing yards against yeah. the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, which the Chargers are like supposed to be one of the top defenses in the league. Not anymore, as we've seen throughout these first seven weeks. But but just the way they've been playing, I know their rookie cornerback was a Tariq Woodson. He's been playing phenomenal as well. So 
I think because of the departure of Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson, these young players get to step up and make plays on the field, which is really great for their development. And I think we're seeing these younger players develop faster than we thought they would. No, definitely. And it's a good sight to see if you're a Seahawks fan. I think the expectation like like going into like the offseason was that Drew Locke was your starting quarterback. So to go from like, oh, our team's very, very bad now that Russell Wilson's gone, we'll have no chance to do really anything. And now being in the position of, oh, we have multiple drafts, draft picks this year, including our own and a team that's not looking so good. We're in a very good position. So you're right. Why why not contend? Why not to try to go for as as far as you can toward the playoffs and just get the experience because this team is going to be good again for a long time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Let's move on to the NBA. The first week of games just concluded and a lot of big shockers, but a team that is did not shock us at all was the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. They have been, <laughs> they have been struggling super super much. They right now they stand 0 and 3, about 13th place in the NBA as of now. And we all know what the problem is. Russell Westbrook, he has not been playing up to his, you know, MVP years. We know that he's a little done for, he's washed. But when are the Lakers going to make a move? When is the Russell Westbrook trade going to happen? And if you're the GM, if you're Rob Polinka, what like, when are you going to pull the trigger? And what offers are you going to take? Listen, honestly, I want to retract a little bit. Russell Westbrook hasn't, like, like you said, he's just been lackluster and not good to start the year. But this is not on him. This 0-3 record is not only on him. This roster, the way it's built right now, I think I saw a stat where I saw that the Lakers are like 19 of 104 mm-hmm. from three to start the year that is terrible oh, that's like horrible. You, you, the outside shooting for that team they have no spacing and this is something that we saw last year and them losing malik monk them just not being able to find suitable like shooters like dennis schroeder is that, that's a new pickup but we haven't seen anything from him yet and honestly i feel like they're only the per- only person who's kind of consistently shot is kendrick nunn besides him this team would be so much worse shooting wise but yeah a trade needs to come and what you were saying like if i was in rob polinka's position i would i would be calling the utah jazz i would be trying to see if there's any chance that i could get maybe a veteran like mike conley get someone who can just provide a veteran presence leadership or just honestly shooting in general because patrick beverly another guy who can't really shoot russell westbrook we know he's notorious for not really being able to shoot the ball lebron a great shooter but can't like isn't always consistent anthony davis has had his first struggles of just shooting, being able to shoot the ball. This whole team is surrounded by more of like an athletic approach or some type of like just assert your dominance over the opponent and by doing so just try and dominate them. That's not going to work. This is not the style of NBA, the, the NBA anymore. So this team needs to make moves to get shooters on this team. That's what Rob Polinka, Rob Polinka needs to do. The 2020 season for the Lakers, you know, they we all know they won the championship, but then the way they were constructed, I think Rob Palenka was like, hey, let's go more into that. They did not have the best of three-point shooters, but then the difference between that team and this team is two things. First of all, they did have shooters, even though they were not not the best of them, they were still known as great shooters, which forced the defense to still have to close up on them. KCP, Danny Green, just to name a few people, Kuzma, they're not the best of three-point shooters, but but teams know that they can shoot the three ball, yeah. and they will make it if you leave them wide open. So they did have to go up and guard them, which forced Le- which gave LeBron and AD free access to the paint. That's one thing. The second thing, 
they did have centers. Even though they weren't the best of three-point shooting teams, they were able to just dominate the glass, get boards, rebound the ball, shot block. Basically force teams to, hey, we will let you shoot the three, but you're not going to get into the paint and shoot paint shots or layups at, at us. Like You're going to beat us by shooting the three. This year, though, they don't have anyone that can do that. The only person in there is Thomas Bryant, who has been injured, Anthony Davis, and Damian Jones. To Not name, good. Like for names from the 2020 season, you have JaVale McGee, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard. Those are three of the premier shot bloggers in the entire league and will stuff you in the paint. Those, those names I just listed out from this season's roster, <laughs> the only person I could think of is Anthony Davis. If you have Damian Jones as the second center, there's problems for you. So right now, this Lakers team... They cannot shoot, they do not have players that could force the defense to close up on, and they do not have shot blockers in the paint. So that's a big mess up from Rob Palinka, because from that t- championship roster, they did not bring anyone back from this se- from the season before and into this season as well. They literally have nobody that can do any of those stuff that won them the championship in 2020. Yeah, and this team, like we've seen, like it, during the bubble, Anthony Davis pretty much the entire time in that run like for the, and leading up to the championship, played the four. Anthony Davis has not found success with the Lakers any time while playing the five, no, and that, that's not, been yeah. that's been the case throughout his entire stay in LA. I feel like that they tried to find suitable players to kind of like tr- trickle in and s- test it out to see if maybe AD can play the four. Thomas Bryant, like you said, injured and also just not a good defensive big. Like he's an offensive player. He's a kind of like a threat to n- he. Like just be on the on the glass, like not yeah. not a shot blocker, not a defensive player at all. Damian Jones, on the other hand, he's just a big body. Like he'll mm-hmm. he'll do the dirty work. He'll maybe get some shot blocks, but he can't really shoot. He can't really have like defend on the perimeter. It's just typical bigs. Like they mm-hmm. don't have those bigs, the switchable bigs. Javale McGee, I think, was so underappreciated in that finals run. Oh, definitely, just putting up like stat lines like I know there was a couple of times where he put up more than five blocks in a game that season and it was just impressive stuff from that group as a whole and that's why they ended agile. up he can move along the perimeter it's exactly not, it's not a big body yeah and that the the just assertive dominance like you were saying from those bigs is why they won the championship and them not having anything like that is a big reason why they're struggling right now but the biggest thing is that they have no shooters and so Rob Pelinka, I'm talking to you Go and try to find trades for Buddy Heald or Miles Turner, anyone to try and get shooting for your team, because you're not gonna win anything if your te- if your team shoots 19 of 140. Just like I can't. Yeah. I can't. So right now we do have three trade offers for the Lakers that have been you know pretty t- that has been talked about a lot. Um, of course we all know the the, of course we have the notable one with the Pacers with Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, but then we also seen in the past couple of days the Spurs have been in trade talks as well with like Jakob Proto and Josh Richardson and also with the Charlotte Hornets like Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier if you're Rob Palinka, which one are you choosing um if it's a two package I think Gordon Hayward Terry Rozier I think that Gordon Hayward's ability to just do like not it all I'm not gonna say he can do it all but he's a very good passing forward he's also able to bring up the ball he's a, he can shoot very he's a very capable shooter just an all-around player that'll give you effort and you know Terry Rozier he's a fantastic shooter 40 percent shooter from three and he's been able to really just emerge as a good combo guard for like really the entirety of his career so i think those two are starting caliber players on any given team and so for the for the lakers to try and get them i think that's something that like 
you need to try and go for if you brought Polinka Dumas on this opportunity, like you did with Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. For me, I think the Lakers still. I think the best option for the Lakers is still that Pacers trade with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Yeah. Um, Buddy Heald, we know he is he is the perfect guy for the Lakers right now because they need that shooter that can space the floor. Honestly, he can break Steph Curry's NBA three point record. He, I think he's the only guy that can do it in the NBA right now. Like he, he is just known to spot up at the three and shoot the ball, and he's been making it pretty proficiently as well. And for Miles Turner, like you said, AD is not that guy that can play the five. Miles Turner can come in and do that for the Lakers. And not only does he bring outside shooting as well, he can also stuff the paint and block shots. He's been leading the league in blocks every time he's been playing on the court consistently. So I think those two are perfect for what the Lakers need right now. No, I agree 100%. The only thing is that they maybe missed their opportunity. Maybe they, I know the 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 Pacers asked for two first and Russell Westbrook to get that deal done. If I was Rob Palenka, I'd do that. However, I know he declined that, and the the, the negotiations actually stalled. So, no clue what the status is on any of these trades, but something needs to change for these Lakers, man. Oh, definitely. But a pretty big surprise in the first week of the NBA, we have the Jazz, the Spurs, and Portland Trailblazers, all with a winning record of three and one or four and zero. Oh. So with that, do you, I, I'm for me, I think these teams are just going to drop off. I know it's a hot start, but. For the Jazz and the Spurs, come on. I don't, yeah, be realistic. It, no, They're not yeah. running for the playoffs. They want the Wemby sweepstakes more than anything. So even though they did have a go up to a hot start, I don't think that that's going to stay like that. However, the Portland Trailblazers, though, they're 4-0. And I definitely don't think they're tanking for Webb and Yama because no, no, they not. have Damian Lillard. I know their direction is they need to get Damian Lillard a championship ASAP or else he's going to leave. So... Because of the 4-0 with the Portland Trailblazers, where do you rank them right now in the NBA? I think they're easily a top-10 team. I don't think that's negotiable at all. Um, I think max, though, they'll be around 7-8. This team is very, very, very good. But looking at the competition throughout the league, I don't think they'll be able to compete with them. But however, they have had a very strong start. And we have seen like very good production from their new players, whether it be Jeremy Grant or... Um, the coexistence of the backcourt now being with Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons actually p- getting to play with each other now. We saw Anthony Simons go off for six threes in one quarter yesterday. So it just shows the depth and variety in this team because they also have Nasir Little back now and healthy. They have a newcomer in Shadon Sharp. Their team is very, very deep. And so I think they'll definitely be a solid team. They can definitely go for a run in the playoffs. However, will they be... A- finals contenders do you think yes or no mm, i don't think so to be honest i think they still need that one more player um to help damian lillard out simons i think he's a great player not gonna take off anything from him he's a great player but uh, i don't think afrony simons can be that number two player if you need to go to the championship damian lillard we know he's number one yeah but i still did still think they need that one more guy whether it's a like a three and d guy or a guy that could give you buckets i think they need a guy that could get you more buckets as well but with this team, the, the past years, the Portland Trailblazers, they've been in the bottom of the NBA in terms of defense. I think this team, though, is stepping it up on defense. Whether it's the new additions, I think it's the new additions. Yeah. Because they have Nasir Little, um, Gary Payton, Josh Hart's a great defender. Um, I'm pretty sure there's also a couple of other ones as well. Jeremy Grant and no- Yusuf Nurkic as well. I think those, the combo of players that they got, I think they've been playing really great, solid defense. And they've been playing with heart. They've been playing with hustle. And for Damian Lillard, that's all they can. That's all he could ask for. Yeah. As a guy that is just 
just there to score the ball, facilitate, be that number one option. I think he can't ask anything else for this team because they've been giving him defense and a lot of heart, which for for the Portland fans, that's really great to hear and great to see as well. Yeah, I'll ask you one last question. Do you think that we there's a split chance that we see the emergence of Jeremy Grant being able to fill in that second second option role behind Damian Lillard? We've seen him become that number one option in Detroit, and but as of right now, though, we haven't really seen him, you know, be that guy to score the ball. Uh, I think he's been now reduced to like a three and D type player, which is nothing wrong, but. As of what we saw in the first week, it just seems like it's got Damian Lillard the basketball and Simons as well. So for Jeremy Grant, I'm pretty sure we can expect games where he goes over 20-plus. But to answer your question, no, I don't think he's going to be a number two player for the Portland Trailblazers. Okay, and I also wanted to quickly dive in. The Utah Jazz, That yeah. I, I don't think anyone, anyone saw that coming at all. I mean, trading your two all-stars away, getting that massive load of draft picks and just... Everyone expecting that team to tank, boom, first week goes by, they're undefeated. What's yeah. your thoughts on that? I mean, like I said earlier, I don't think this play of I don't think this level of play is gonna sustain for the Utah Jazz. We all know why. But it's great to see. I think they're honestly, the 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 way that they've been playing is just gonna boost up trade value for a lot of these players, such as Laurie Marketing, Colin Sexton, all these other players. It's just going to boost up trade values so they can get pretty much more draft picks or younger players as well. That's what I think. Yeah, it can further re- their rebuild as well. We've seen Colin Sexton just like just be himself, you know, just go back to how he used to play. Lori Market and it's been fantastic to start oh, the yeah. year. And even Kelly Olynyk has had a very strong start to the year, which I I don't think I've said his name since 2017. Oh, and yeah. he twisted Kevin Lo- Kevin Love's arm around. But yeah, no. This team is very, very interesting. I don't think, like like, like you said, I don't think this team goes far in the playoffs. I don't think they make the playoffs. I think it's going to be the Wenbinyama sweepstakes for them, but I don't know. 4 no, that's a good case to try and keep going, but I don't think they should. <laughs> yeah. And then for the Memphis Grizzlies, they start the year 3-1, and one, and I predicted that they were going to be in the middle of the playoffs, but with how they're playing, I think they could make a finals run. What do you think? Um, we've seen something different, I feel like, this year with the Grizzlies. Now, we know how the storyline was a little weird last year. John Moran missing a ton of games, but them still being very, very good on the stretch without him. Him coming back, them having a run, facing the Warriors and losing in six games. But this team is right back to where they were last year when John Morant was healthy. He's playing like an MVP candidate right now, dropping that 49-point game where he was just le- like legitimately unguardable. Like No one could stay in front of him at all. And so, yeah, I think this team does have the ability to get to the finals now. And I'm going to say this. I think that John Morant solidified himself as the number one for the team. I think that's not even close. But what's changed is from expecting Jaron Jackson to kind of fill in that role, I think Desmond Bain is taking that oh, yeah. number two role to heart. And he's, he's played exceptionally well to start the year. And like I said, Jaron Jackson isn't even healthy yet. So this team still has a lot of just holes that they still have to fill. But, yeah, um, so far, this team, their depth has been very amazing as well. We've seen Tyus Jones thrive a lot, too, with that, with that squad. And so, yeah, I, I do think that this team has the ability to get to the finals. However, there are other teams atop the West. The Warriors are still not going to back down. The Denver Nuggets are back and healthier than ever. So they will have some competition, but I think it's definitely possible. The thing, the difference I've seen in the Grizzlies this year is not just the Grizzlies. John Morant has surprisingly become a shooter 
Like, this guy made four threes yesterday night. He's been consistently knocking down the three ball, which honestly is really, really scary for the league. This guy can drive to the bucket, dunk on anyone on the team. So what their game plan was last year for the Warriors was just let Jaw drive and we'll have a body of defenders in the, like in the paint ready for him. They can't really do that anymore. This guy can shoot the three ball. You can't leave him open. And we saw yesterday he had that deep three-pointer to seal the game against the Brooklyn Nets. Like, you cannot leave this guy open anymore. This guy can shoot the three-ball. Probably not, like, a great. He's probably not going to shoot the three-ball that great. But now, like, the defense has to guard up on him now. They can't leave him wide open because he can knock that three-ball down, which is going to be super scary for opponents now because this guy can shoot. This guy can drive. Like, he can't guard him. Plus, you also have Desmond Bain coming up now. He's stepped into that number two option. We all know he's a great shooter as well. With a lot of other players just stepping up, like you said, Tyus Jones, Jaron Jackson is still coming back from injury. So this team, I thought they're going to come out slow to start the season. I thought last year was a little bit of a fluke. They've have they have proven me wrong. They have just stepped up. They stepped up another level from last year, which is really amazing to see. And to end up this segment, we have a little game we call Pretenders and Contenders. I have a couple of teams up here. And when I just say their names, let me know if they're a pretender or if they can contend. So the first off, the Los Angeles Lakers. I think this is a pretty easy answer. I think that currently we look at this team and we're not we're not saying, oh, but if this team looks like this, maybe if they make these moves. No, this team right now, the Lakers are pretenders. They're they're not gonna really e- even make the playoffs. Like they they started 0-3. This team is just not looking good at all. Until they make a trade, I think the Lakers are pretenders. We all know why. Yes. So let's move on to the next one, the Portland Trailblazers. Now, this is a tricky one. I don't see them as being contenders, but I don't think that they're going to be bad. But I will lean more to pretenders because I think come playoff time, they're not going to get past the first round. But may- maybe I could be wrong. Maybe this team just thrives and continues to thrive like they have been so far. But for now, I'm going to say pretenders. I'm going to agree. I think pretenders, until they make, again, like the Lakers, another big move to bolster the roster, I just don't see them going that far in the playoffs. Yeah. And I got an interesting one for you, the New Orleans Pelicans. This is very interesting. Um, so, as we saw, Zion just recently went down with what looked like a hip injury, I, b- I believe. Um, assuming that he won't be out for an extended amount of time i i think that this team truly is a contender just solely for the fact that brandon ingram has looked like a different player this year i don't know if he's hungry for more or something but they did get a taste of the playoffs this year and so him getting there i think that was a huge step for him but not only in that but his confidence and he wants to get back i know this whole team cj has experience jonas valanciunas even has experience but Zion still has yet to really make a, his like appearance in the playoffs. So I think that this team is ready to go just health-wise. If they can keep their health to uh, a T, then I think they will be a contender. However, if things happen, like similarly to last year, Ingram missing time, Zion missing time, this team will not thrive. Until I see the Pelicans play an actual team that can contend in the West, I'm going to still say the Pelicans are pretenders. I was pretty shocked though they did beat the Nets opening night, but the Nets have been looking kind of shaky, and the other teams the Pelicans played this week weren't that good either. So as for now, I'm gonna still say pretenders for the Pelicans. Now another one for you, the Brooklyn Nets. Now to say a team with Kyrie, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and shooters around them are pretenders, I I can't do that. I think naturally my head goes to like, oh these this team is just so 
good on paper, there's no way that they'll be able to just be as bad as they were. And then we saw what happened last year. They got swept in the first round. No, I don't think anyone really expected that. But they're back this year. They're starting a little, a little questionable. But again, saying the same thing that I just said, I think that this team is very talented. And I don't think there's a way that they can be pretenders. So I'm going to say contender. I think it's still a little early on. I think they're still trying to figure out how they in- can incorporate Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, and a couple of these other players as well. So I'm going to still say the Nets are contenders. But if they still keep playing like how they are right now, they're going to quickly fall off into pretenders. Definitely. I got two more for you. I got the Philadelphia 76ers. So we know that the Sixers really had a bad start to the year. However, they did start with a difficult schedule playing very tough teams starting out with the Celtics on opening night they lost a close one but that was because we saw like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum drop 35 apiece although Harden is actually looking like an MVP candidate this year and Joel Embiid just had his first like very assertive game of the season just I think a couple days ago this team is still the same team that we saw make the um I I believe it was the the semifinals a couple years ago losing to the Hawks However, they've added a new dimension in Harden, and Harden looks different this year. So I will say that this team is a contender. I must still stay contenders for the Sixers as well. Like you said, they did have a tough opening schedule with the six, uh, with the Bucks and the Celtics. So not too surprised there if they dropped both of those games. But they did beat uh, the Philadelphia. They did beat the Indiana Pacers pretty easily. So I'm still they still say the Sixers are contenders. Like you said, Harden as well. Been looking like he's resurged back into prime Harden. And for the last one, the Miami Heat. Man, I think this is honestly the trickiest of them all. Just like, there's so many unanswered questions for the Heat. We've seen them start out the season. They lost to the Celtics. They just ended up beating the Raptors in a very, very close game. However, I don't know how much I trust this team. We know that Tyler Hero is starting now. Duncan Robinson is barely getting rotational minutes. So where's the shooting going to come from from the bench? Gabe Vincent has stepped up so far. But there's so many question marks around this team. Bam Adebayo, is he going to be able to expand his range? I know he's able to shoot the three, but will he? Jimmy Butler is that leader. But this team, man, they lost P.J. Tucker, and I really can't get over that. I think that that is going to cost them so much more than they can think. Like, just to have that leadership, someone who's ready to give you that amount of effort, it's not someone you can easily find. So I'm going to say pretenders for the time being. I don't think this team is going to be able to get back to where they were last year just because of how every other team in this conference got better. And they were the only team to not add anyone significant and lose a rotational player. So I will say pretenders. If Tyler Hero is your second best player, that's all I have to say for the Miami Heat. They are pretenders. That's <laughs> we have. <laughs> and that's all we have for today. And for more episodes, check out Top House Sports on Spotify. I'm Hamilton Chill along with Katie Matamid, and we'll see you next time.